0: You're listening to Art & Magic, and I'm your host, Devin Walls. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to be back. I know we took a brief summer hiatus the past couple weeks. Thank you so much for your patience with that. I'm feeling recharged. I needed it. Uh, little plug for taking breaks when you need to, <laughs> and I'm also really excited to get into today's topic. So today I'm going to discuss the lessons I've learned from creating my recent body of work. So if you don't know or if you just started following me, I have been working on this body of work since January slash February, depending on like when we want to mark the official start. And it has been the most challenging, the most slow moving, um, the most like of a push and a growth edge. And it's the work is the most different than anything I've ever done. And there's been a lot of challenges that have come with that. And as the series is finally complete, I just like, can't even believe it. Cause I thought this day would never come. <laughs> um, uh, I'm reflecting on like what it's really taught me. And I think there's some valuable, applicable things in here, no matter where you're at in your creative practice or what you might be working on. um, That might just like help you get through this next little push or, I don't know, give you like a dose of wisdom that maybe you're needing, depending on where you're at with your own stuff. So a little bit of info about the series before we jump in. Um, it is releasing officially on Saturday, September 4th at 10 a.m., and it's coming out on the 3rd if you are a patron. And the collector's preview, if you want to view the work and like get a little context for this episode, um, the collector's preview will have gone out today, September 1st. And um will be made public like within the next day or so. So there's images on my Instagram and there's enough out there if you want to get a visual for what I'm talking about. And the series is called Safe Room. Back in January, I knew that I wanted to dedicate myself to a body of work. Um, I was approaching my practice in general with a lot more intention. And that was really important to me to... Be a little bit more focused with what I was doing. Um, make sure that I was like really connected to it, that it wasn't just like random or an aesthetic that I felt momentarily into. Although there's nothing wrong with that. That's just this is just like where I was coming from, and I really wanted to um, commit to doing a couple larger pieces. Now, large is a rev- relative term. Um, these might be like medium large, depending on your perspective but I'd been making small work a lot for the past couple years. Um, small work is easy, you know, or it can be. It's not easy, um, but it's less committal, right? A small piece of work, if you hate it, it's going to be over faster. <laughs> and um, the materials are less expensive. There, there's like a lower barrier to entry with smaller pieces. And honestly, they um, are more predictable in terms of selling which is important to me in terms of like supporting the work that I make. So I really wanted to break out of that a little bit and commit to doing some larger pieces. I didn't know what a commitment that would be given the fact that my style would be changing so much (laughs) and I'll talk about that in a second. But that was really what I set out for originally a series that I was connected to I was intentional with and would include some larger pieces. And as I got more into my intention for the series. I noticed that I was really grabbed by this idea of containment. I was working a lot with my therapist on like inner child stuff. I mean, that's, that's pretty typical of therapy, but it was very prevalent at the time. And the ways in which I really needed to be held and how our environments can really calm our nervous system, right? We know this, like compression can calm us down. Um, cozy, small rooms can make us feel safe. They're kind of like a womb. But also the ways in which I had been trapped inside rooms for much of my life, um, both literally and metaphorically. And so this idea of containment um, quickly evolved into a creation of some new rooms, um, ones that would be a reframing of the past, um, but also would retell the story a little bit of the times in which I had felt trapped And I think these feelings of trappedness were also running parallel in real time with the pandemic as we were just coming off a year of being stuck in our homes. Um, In fact, I think at that time, like we were all still pretty quarantined. So this theme was running pretty strong. I didn't know what any of this was really going to look like or what really needed to be painted. Um, The rooms did start to take shape and... I found that I had a lot to learn because, as you might know, my style has been very, very abstract up until this point. Um, But the series really wanted to be told in a more concrete language. So I had a lot of learning and catching up to do in terms of playing with dimension and using my materials and um, bringing some real-life symbols and elements to these pieces. As the series evolved, I started to notice two things. Um, One was like my obsession with doors and windows in these rooms and you know in reflecting on it I think that as I was reframing the past I was kind of saying like okay if I have to be stuck in these rooms I need to make them as utopia-like as possible and that doesn't totally erase the story or narrative of claustrophobia that's happening but I'm trying to create what I would have wanted to be trapped in and what I wanted to be trapped in was somewhere with options, somewhere where I could get out if I wanted to. So there began to be this obsession with choice and when do we when do we choose it, and is it scary to choose it? Is it easily available? Um, are we always capable of making the choice to leave something when we feel trapped? Uh, the next thing I noticed that I was just couldn't stop painting were these chains. Um, they often appear as like rainbow chains and maybe hanging out of a doorway or from the ceiling. They almost feel like a little bit alive sometimes. Um, And I really started to love chains as a symbol for like literal imprisonment, Um, but also sometimes as like a rope that might be used to climb out. And um, also the links, the way that they're working together, I think also imply connection. Um, So I love that idea of know how are we using this chain like how is it operating in the environment and then as i got further into the series i noticed that there needed to be some pieces that weren't rooms at all (laughs) and that really stopped me in my tracks and um for a minute i i got stuck i was like okay these other pieces want to happen am i just like abandoning the series um do i need to force them into rooms And that was kind of like a tough moment for the whole thing, like questioning whether I was just jumping ship. But I decided to just let them happen because what else was I doing? And um, I'm not really good at fighting anything. (laughs) And I later found that some of these other pieces wanted to show what might be happening between the rooms, like what happens when we choose to leave the room. And they're kind of like these in-between phases, um, maybe little breaks from what's going on. Uh, So not all of the pieces in the series take shape as a room. So that's just like a little bit of background to kind of give you an idea of what I was working with and what the paintings are about. If you want to go look at them. Uh, Thank you for listening. It's really nice for me to be able to have somewhere to share all the thoughts that have been circling around for like seven to eight months now. But Now I'm going to transition into the lessons that I have learned that I think will be applicable to you in your studio practice during this period of time of creating this work. So Let it be known that these are in no particular order, but number one, having an intention does not mean that your process has to be restricted. I know a lot of us, myself included, grapple with these two polarities or ways of creating Um, One being just showing up and letting like life force energy come through us and being totally um, intuitive and unhindered by the moment and like just having a great time. And the other end of the spectrum being having like a perfectly planned idea, composition, like conception, palette, all these things. um, And but maybe not having as much room for like play and new ideas to come through. People that I tend to attract and artists I tend to work with tend to be like more on the first side of things, the more intuitive, emotionally driven kind, Um, although I definitely think there's an even split between both out there in the world. And if you're somebody who really doesn't like to feel restricted, like really just wants to show up and feel free, you might have a hard time when you want to bring a bit of intention into your work. I know a lot of us feel restricted by that. And this was like a big question I had going into this body of work. Like if I approach this with a little bit more of a plan and an idea, is it going to come out good? Will it even be me? Will I even enjoy making it? And, you know, time and place for everything. It was just, I think it was the right time for me to start working in this way. But I am here to report that it actually allowed me a lot more freedom and it allowed me to feel connected to what I was making for a longer period of time, which I really needed with this series because it ended up taking me much longer than I thought it would. And I think if I didn't have that anchor and that thing that I really cared about, it would have been so much easier for me to divert from the series or to abandon it halfway through um, or just to call it quits when it wasn't really ready yet because I was so committed to this idea that I cared about. That all being said, I also wasn't going to hold on to it so tightly that it put me in a bad place. So like I kind of mentioned, when these pieces started to happen, that didn't really look like what my expectation was going to be. Like they weren't taking the shape of rooms. They were these, I think of them as like these little spirits kind of like moving about between other elements and like doing other things out in this dimension. When they started to look like that, and I just, I couldn't help it. Like half of the pieces wanted to show up that way. Um, That is when I turned to my like intuitive trusting side a little bit more and just said, okay, I have to let these happen. And I have to trust that in some way, shape or form, they're going to make sense with the story in the end. And you know what, if they don't, I will just set them aside and release them at a different time in a different way. And you know, that's fine. It's not the end of the world. Um, I'll just add that one thing that helped me come to an intention that was worth staying committed to was indulging in a period of research before I made any decisions or before I started painting. Like I was kind of looking for something all through December and the beginning of January. I was on Pinterest. I was taking notes. I was, you know, still had a couple ideas lingering after the last series I had created. Um, And I was gathering and gathering. I hadn't like really pinpointed something down yet until one day I had a session um, with my therapist that really solidified, solidified it for me. Um, and so, you know, I think that's important too. like, make sure your intention is something that you care about and give yourself time to find that thing. Um, just like you would give yourself time to complete a painting or a series. Uh, I don't think that finding your intention, um, is something that can be rushed either. So, you know, treat it artfully because it is. Okay. Lesson number two, taking the time to learn a new medium or way of working is worth it. This question has come up a lot for me where I will feel drawn to work with clay or try a new style or like master my airbrush. And what comes up for me over and over is like, do I really have the time for that? Like, I got to make money. I got to get paintings out. I got to like, you know, become the most successful artist under 30 before I'm 30. I'm already 30. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Like all these things, right, where it's like we don't want to take the time to Uh, do something that's going to feel a little bit unproductive for a while, but I'm here to report back from the other side that it feels so worth it. Like painting these little tiles that took me forever and learning oil paint and learning how to master a gradient with my airbrush, that is part of the reason that there's not that many paintings in the series. I think there's like 13 and honestly most of them are small, but that's the reason this took me so long is I I was going into the studio and being like seemingly unproductive or like the work wasn't really being produced because I was learning, I was messing up, I was YouTubing. (laughs) And um, I also think that's what ended up making the work really great. And all these things that I was called to work on, now I have a foundation going into my next body of work. So I'm not saying that you need to try all 20 things that are grabbing your attention at once. Like that can definitely be a little bit... Um, that can create like kind of a scattered energy that maybe isn't ideal. But if there's like a medium or something that you just see someone else do it, you're like, I want to learn that or like I could see how that could work in my work. Setting aside just like 10 minutes a day or 20 minutes of, of your studio practice to learning that thing and letting yourself be a beginner will absolutely pay off. Okay, lesson number three. You have full permission to just straight up create shit that you like, to incorporate the colors you like, the symbols, the words, however you work. If you're just like, I like this thing and it makes me happy and I'm going to put it in there because I feel like it, 100% allowed, encouraged, go for it. And I think this is kind of, you know, maybe a contrast to what I was mentioning in the first lesson about intention. So I'm all about intention and meaning I think it gives so much substance to our work And if we get like too caught up in that and we just are trying a little too hard to be like all highbrow with it, I think we lose the curiosity and wonder and the little things that like our brain is never going to be able to make sense of why we like it or what it means. Um, We're kind of like denying ourselves that magic. So there were a lot of things in this series where I was just like, I like that. I want it. I'm doing it. And it was hard for me since because my intention was to be intentional. (laughs) But a lot of those things did come around later as incredibly meaningful. And even if they didn't, um, that doesn't mean they don't have meaning. It just means that my conscious brain hasn't sorted it out yet. And maybe it's not meant to because like, you know, it's art. If nothing else, those little like happiness bits kept me going along the way like those little I ended up doing these like piped sprinkles like using um, like an icing bag to pipe out some of my sprinkles so they look like puffy paint and they it made me so happy and I hope that it makes other people so happy when they look at it too Um, and I think that that is meaningful enough. Okay the next lesson making work just for yourself and your own satisfaction is always the most worth it. So there's some elaboration required from this one. Remember in the intro when I was like, I'm so excited to have this work come out and I'm having a little bit of some like downer feels. Well, here's what I mean by that. Something I've been thinking about is how when you put so much into something, like when you put your heart, soul, into a creative project, you make so many sacrifices to do it. Um, There's no way that that level of input is going to be matched by what you receive in return externally at the end. So what I'm saying is, is like, I've put so much into this work over the past eight months, it's unlikely that I'm actually going to receive an equal amount back in the form of like money and praise, unless I was like Famous as hell and I was going to make $100,000 off of this series, which I assure you I am not. um, It's never going to match what I put into it. And I I come across this a lot where sometimes after a big creative project or um, like a body of work, right before I release it, I'll get this kind of like dip in feelings. And I think it's because I know that the height of it, like the height of the energy of it is over um, and then, of course, there's some nervousness about like, okay, I know I'm not going to make 100 grand off of this series, um, but hopefully I do get some return back, whether it's in exposure or money, preferably money. So I'm just like naming that to say that that's normal, and I think we all go through it. However, what would make that really, really bad or really hard to weather is if I was mainly making this work to please you (laughs) or to please my collectors or to please a curator or critic because then if it's not well received and you really don't get any return or any praise then I think that's such a bigger letdown because there was a part of you that was really doing it for that reason from the start um I'd say there's very 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 little part of me that was creating in that way um My business, quote unquote, business style for art making is that I just make whatever the heck I want and just am grateful when people buy it, but I kind of don't expect them to since my work changes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really like follow trends, etc. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with making art because you know it will sell and you need money and that's like totally fine. But I'm just saying for something that I had to pour my heart and soul into, if the reason I was doing it was to get some sort of external validation or return and that was my main reason for doing it, I would inevitably be let down. And so when I start to have these like concerns about sales or like how well it's going to do on the algorithm or, or anything like that after such a long project... I have to remember that like I have already won the the biggest prize and that is me feeling proud of the work, me feeling proud of the work I did over the past 7 to 8 months. And the cool thing is is like no algorithm or lack of sales can ever take that away from me. So even if like nothing happened from this point forward, I could I could move on in my creative practice knowing that like I did the best I could and I showed up the most in integrity for what my art needed now that's a very like privileged high horse spot to come from and i understand that like we don't have that luxury all the time and we can't always do that but i guess what i want to say is that it's always worth it to create work that is for yourself and for your own satisfaction and for your own reasons and as much as you can and are able to i would advise you to make art from that place and much less from a place of pleasing a parent an old art teacher a collector etc (laughs) Hey y'all, we'll get back to the episode in just a minute, Uh, but first I want to talk to you about selling framed prints of your work to your collectors in the absolute easiest way possible, and that is by using the Frame It Easy Shopify app. So this is a total game changer for how you sell prints. First of all, I already love Frame It Easy frames. They're where I already refer my collectors. And now with this app, all you have to do is upload the digital file of your work and Frame It Easy takes care of everything else. They'll provide the size options, the styles, and they'll ship it right to your collector's door with your own branding on it and everything. How cool is that? To get started, all you have to do is set up your Shopify store and search Frame It Easy within the Shopify app to install it. Then you upload the file of the work you want to sell and that's it, you're done. And just for being a listener of this show, you can get $100 towards sample frames, what? By going to frameiteasy.com backslash also in the show notes. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Okay, next lesson, no idea what number we're on. I did not number these when I started, so I don't even know how many there are. But the next lesson is don't judge your pace. Don't judge your pace of working. And that goes for working fast or slow. But mainly in this lesson, I'm going to be talking about working slow. So I thought I knew what it meant to take my time on a series or even a single piece of work, but that really got challenged with this series as I was learning the new things and working in new ways. Not only working in ways that were new for me, but working in ways that were objectively slower and take longer. And P.S. the ironic part is, is I know it's like nothing compared to people who do hyper-realistic stuff. So respect. But my point is I hit a lot of moments when the delayed gratification was really, really hard on me. I think especially in this age where, you know, honestly, I'm used to being able to post a series or a piece after like a couple months or something. Um, and that those brain chemicals kind of get you by. You know, they, they help you. I don't know. Yeah, they give you some sort of satisfaction. And when you can't have that... Um, man, it was hard. It was hard to get used to. And then when that became difficult, I would really judge myself like, man, I I really haven't even painted that many paintings. And like, these aren't that crazy. Like what's going on? Granted, you know, in retrospect, all the learning was happening, like I mentioned. But I I think the moral of the story is, is we've lived in a world that normalizes fast work. You know, I've talked about this before. Social media has played a really big role, as has capitalism, etc. And so it kind of takes a lot to train our brain that making work at a slow pace and not sharing it right away is actually much more um, natural for art making. We're just not used to it. Like our brains are just not used to it. But I also really saw and do believe that making work in a slow way and delaying the gratification um, can create for better work. You know, maybe not all the time, but I think for a lot of us, it's important And so this is just to say, like, if you're working slowly or you just feel like you can't keep up with what people are posting or people, you know, cranking out these shows, just know that that's not natural for most of us. It's certainly not natural for me. And especially if like you're pushing your edges and trying to learn something new, that's going to take even longer. Um, And I think it's really admirable to stay committed to your work and not give in to the pressures of how things are running online these days. So don't judge how fast or slow you are working. Just keep on keeping on in the way that is doable and feels good for you. Okay, next lesson. You need friends and feedback. (laughs) F and F, friends and feedback. Um, I don't think that I would have created as good of work. I don't know if I would have finished the work. I don't know if I would have added as many pieces as I wanted to add, if I didn't have some art friends or friends in general to talk about it with, um, share when I was struggling, and get feedback on what I was doing. I've always known that creative community is important to me, but I really saw just how necessary it is while I was doing this series. Like, If you're going to push yourself and do something new and different, you especially need people that you can call on. I think when we're so used to working alone, we can think like, yeah, I wish I had creative community, but like, we don't even realize what we're missing if we haven't had it yet. And so I'm telling you, if you don't have it, you're missing it. And here's what you can do to create it. You know, that Instagram art friend where you feel like you kind of vibe with them and you like comment and DM and you're like Instagram friends. That's the person that you should message today and be like, hey, I'm really looking for someone to like talk out some ideas with. Do you want to like be an art friend? Maybe we could send each other voice texts on Voxer or text message or maybe we could have a call sometime and I'd be happy to like, you know, be a soundboard for any of your ideas or like what you're going through. And just like start it off organically like that, one person. That's how I started with my friend Amanda, um, other guests on the show who I also have some art relationships with. And it helps a lot. It really does. And you would be surprised um, how many people are really open to doing that because we all need it. It's something that artists are all craving and it just takes one person to be the initiator. I'm the worst initiator, by the way. Um, I think most of the things I've been lucky to fall into have been things people have initiated with me. (laughs) So I am grateful to those people. Um, And so there's probably somebody who will be so grateful to you (laughs) if you initiate with them. Art is so hard to create in a vacuum. I know it's a solo project most of the time, but even just having one friend look at a work in progress and be like, oh, I like this little part or like, I recognize the evolution here. It it carried me through, um, especially when I wanted to quit. And if you don't have art friends, just call on your friend friends. I also have a friend friend who's not a visual artist who I would also just talk about like my issues with delayed gratification with. And so many of us can relate to that in this day and age, right? And so utilize the community you have. Um, People want to be there for you, and people want to talk about this stuff. Okay, this one might feel a little bit random, and it's highly related to uh, what I was saying about intention, but I really learned the power of intuitive image collecting when I was creating this series, Um, particularly at the beginning, but really all throughout. Didn't think I was going to say that, did you? (laughs) I didn't think I was going to say it. Um, I know, it's a little out of left field from like some of these other lessons that I'm talking about it's a little more practical. So for this series, I didn't look at any other art. Um, I try not to do that in general, but particularly if I'm like cultivating uh, a language and a palette for a body of work, I especially don't want to look at other people's art. But what I did do a lot of is non-art related images. And I had the concept in my mind of safe room. So I started looking at a bunch of rooms on Instagram that matched this image I had in my mind. Like what creates this feeling of like internal and enclosed and um, ideal. And I just kind of let myself intuitively browse, like what would be in those rooms and what kind of furniture feels like that. And my work isn't that realistic. So you can't really see much of that in the pieces, but it started to create this feeling that ended up being so helpful when I got stuck. Um, I created a secret Pinterest board. Very, very lowbrow situation that I highly recommend doing Um, because it. when I would get stuck, especially in the first couple months, it's always easier at the end, right? Because you're like, okay, I got it. I see where these pieces have ended up. I see what we're doing here. I can even just like pull from the work I've already done. But when you're inventing something out of nothing and you don't know what direction it's going to take yet, having that reference point of... Um, like a cohesive mood board, essentially, that I had already created was seriously everything. Um, So I did most of that work in the beginning, but I kept it up throughout the whole series. Like a couple times a week, I would like get on there and be like, okay, chains, what kind of chains? Like, how do they look and doorways? And like, what are different shapes for doorways? And what else about these rooms? And maybe they're not bedrooms, maybe they're different kinds of rooms or maybe there's just different elements or just colors that I'm just now that I'm like branching way way out of rooms and all these things, but I'm still creating this like cohesive aesthetic narrative that I'm able to rely on. And so like as that evolved, the aesthetic of the work evolved and it kind of pushed the whole series forward. So When you're creating something out of nothing, having something you can refer to is so helpful for staying on track, you know, especially if you're trying to create something cohesive. Okay, next lesson, the power of goals. I have a love, hate, mostly hate relationship with goals. I don't like to be restricted if you can't tell by many of the things I've already said in this episode, Um, but we need them. Like I mentioned in the introduction, I had a goal to create some larger pieces. Um, my I hit my goal. I did I hit what my minimum was. And my minimum was two 18 by 24s and two 24 by 30s. Um, in most contexts, those would be considered small, medium. But for me, they were larger given the new style I was working in. You know, when I was working more abstract expressionism, like 48 by 48 was nothing um, because I wasn't doing all these little details. But for where I am now, this felt like a push. And let me tell you, once I got into the series and I had the two 18 by 24s done, I was like, those took me so long. I do not want to do these larger pieces. And I resisted and I complained and I did them because I had set the goal to do them. And I honestly, without that commitment I made to myself in the beginning, I don't know if they would have gotten done. Um, now, would it have been the end of the world if I would have just been like, no, I'm not doing it. This is too much. I've had too hard of a year. No, there's always a time and a place for throwing in the towel. But I'm just saying, I don't. without the goal to start with, I don't think I would have finished them. And let me tell you how amazing it feels and how empowered and proud of myself I feel that I took my new style and I took the risk to invest a lot of time in these bigger pieces. Um, and I did the scary thing, which is like, you know, on a bigger piece, if you mess it up, it's sucks more because you like wasted a bigger material and more of your time. So I took that risk and I'm really happy with how they turned out. Um, and I feel more empowered moving forward that I can like continue to work in the style, maybe even on a bigger scale. So. If you have some goals or just things you would really like to do, make them intentional before you start the project, before you get into the muck of it. Um, I think they can carry you really far. Okay, final lesson from creating this body of work. It's nuanced. Um, It's the power of taking breaks and like putting less pressure on your work. It needs a little bit of elaboration, so I'm going to tell you the story. When the pandemic hit in 2020, I just, like, started living in my studio. I threw all of myself into my work. Um, I created the solo show uh, From Here to Nowhere, which I showed in fall of last year. Um, And that was how I spent the pandemic. I was very fortunate to be able to do that. But essentially what happened was I was making my studio my everything. Because everything else got taken away from us, right? And i've kind of had a habit of doing that i've had you know since i started making work like when i was 20 um i have had art be my therapy my place to deal with life also my source of joy and fun also my source of money and a career and my sense of identity and personal satisfaction (laughs) and that was okay for a little while like art is a great tool like if one thing had to be everything Art can do a lot for you, which is why it's the best thing ever. Um, but that really started to put a lot of pressure on my work. It started to like extract a lot of the energy and the joy from it. Because then I was like, this has to work out. This has to go well. This has to give me all of these things. And then I just started to feel like, this is all I'm doing. This is all I'm making. And, you know, compassion for being in a pandemic, that's like a particularly unique situation where we all had to deal with however we were coping. But when it came around to this year and like things started to lighten up a little bit, you know, we're still in it, but there were some changes. um, I had this revelation one day where it was almost like, (laughs) this is a little bit woo, but it was almost like my art kind of said to me, like, I don't want to be your everything. Almost like a partner who was like, dude, you got to make some other friends. Like, I-, I can't be your therapist, your lover, your roommate. Like, y- you need to round out a little bit here. So I said, okay, I hear you. I didn't really do anything about it right away, but I was like, interesting. So before I took any practical action, I just started to like notice that and detract a little bit. Um, granted, I already made some progress because I got an actual therapist. <laughs> I wasn't just leaning on art for therapy. Art is not actual therapy. And eventually, as those of you who follow me on Instagram probably already know, I started going to dance class. That was in May, so a little more than halfway through the series. Um, also, for those of you who don't know, I danced in high school. Um, I had to stop when I was a junior and I kind of never looked back, but it was my first like creative medium and place of expression and something that I've always really loved. So um, going back really brought so much joy, embodiment, like happy brain chemicals, (laughs) just things that I was really needing. And for a while, my visual art was giving me, but like things that I needed to also be getting elsewhere. And for the first like couple weeks of really being in dance, I was able to go to the studio and be like, honestly, whatever about this work, because I have something else that I really love that is also filling me up creatively. And it really allowed me to take the pressure off of what I was making in the best possible way. So I think that coupled with um, us being able to like socialize in person again and do other normal things that fill us up. Just really allowed me to not put all of my eggs in the art basket, which I didn't even realize how harmful that was. And it's so ironic, right? Because I think my brain had tricked me into thinking giving everything to my art was me being dedicated to my art. Um, It's kind of like an extremist mentality that I think pervades our culture. But actually, it was one of the worst things I could be doing for my work. So, lesson learned divide up the love. Divide up your needs, have multiple aspects of your life that can hold you. And I know not everybody has this problem. A lot of us are so busy, we barely have time for a creative practice. And I've been there too. Um, But if this is resonating with you, I would encourage you to think of like, what else has brought you joy in the past? Like, what else could be a source of therapy or health or support? Maybe it's like more time with people in your life. Maybe it's a hobby you've been wanting to try. Um, Maybe it's a different mode of expression or exercise or spending time in nature even if there's a part of you that feels like oh that's taking away from my precious creative time it could be the best thing for your creative time so for me it ended up being integral to the survival and completion um, and my general like satisfaction with this body of work so I'm I'm so grateful that I started doing that So that brings us to the end of the lessons I learned from creating this body of work. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I hope that something in here resonated with you or can be helpful as you continue to create and make your work and hopefully explore, try new things, um, and do whatever is true for you that you straight up just like because you like it and also has intention, (laughs) Estimation of... 60% of the lessons in this last sentence. Okay. If you would like to support me and the show, one thing you can do is check out this new body of work. Um, like I said, I've been working really hard on it. I'm so excited to finally be sharing it. I appreciate all of the shares, like the email forwards, um, the likes and engagement on Instagram. I know that's all silly, but it really does help so you can see the new work there will probably be a link in my bio where you can see the preview um, and many of the pieces are posted on my instagram right now the series goes live on saturday september 4th and it is called safe room otherwise you can support the show are jump on the patreon Uh, patrons get early access to the work so they get their first pick of the litter if you want a small piece that's probably where you want to be they also receive a bonus episode every month of the show so content like this but just secret and only for patreon Uh, another way you can support us is to share the show on instagram um tag us, talk about the episodes you like. And of course, as usual, don't forget to leave us a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. So that concludes our episode for today. Thank you so much for being here as always. And until next time, I'm sending you lots of love and tons of magic.